hope everybody's doing well. If you're not, I'm sorry. It's not my fault. <laughs> All righty. So, um, wow, that worship was awesome, wasn't it? Yeah. Good to see Karen over there. Everybody give Karen a big hand. It's Jenny's, it's Jenny's mama. So, you know, if you've got any issues with Jenny, you can talk to her mama today. But her demise was uh, overly, overly stated, right? Because she went through a rough, rough ride. But look out, she's still alive. Yeah, still cooking. Amen? So we're thankful for that. Yeah, amen. So I wanted to uh, read a couple. I'm going to read a few verses here out of Revelation, uh, the book of Revelation. I've been talking to you all out of that uh, because I think the Lord's, been talking to me out of Revelation, so I'm just going to talk to you about what he's talking to me about. That's sort of how it works, right? Um, yeah, and so I'm going to read uh, verse 4, Revelation 1. It says, John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Asia for us today would be Turkey. Isn't that amazing that these seven churches were located in what's now the nation of Turkey, which is a, a really a Muslim nation now, but all seven of these beautiful churches were were there and um so that's really who the book of revelation was addressed to i mean it was addressed to churches uh meaning you know it's addressed to all churches down through the ages not just those churches but those were the churches and by extension it's a word for for us today all all this in here and then he says, grace to you and peace from him who is and was and who is to come. That kind of covers the whole, whole gamut, right? And from the seven spirits, y'all, did you know there's a seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit that God's going to release in the last days? We haven't seen all of the Holy Spirit yet. We haven't seen a full manifestation. Actually, the Bible tells us in, 11, I think, Isaiah 11 what those manifestations are. If you're interested, it's the spirit of the Lord, right? Spirit of wisdom, uh, right? Spirit of understanding, yeah. Spirit of counsel and might. Spirit of revelation, knowledge, and the fear of the Lord. And I, we, we're going to see a, full, a fulfillment of the seven. That's part of what revelation is. It's, a, it's the closing out of all things. It's the fulfillment of all things. And we're going to see a greater measure of the Holy Spirit and greater manifestations of the Holy Spirit in the earth in the last days because in the last days we are going to need more of what of who God is and what God has to offer humanity. Amen. But I also just didn't want to brush over grace to you in peace because that's probably one of that's the most common uh you know introduction in the New Testament to most of the letters. Uh, pretty much all of Paul's letters begin with grace grace and peace. And without grace and peace, we're going to be in trouble. Yes, we need some peace, don't we? We need some peace to church. And, and this is there's an impartation in these words. Listen, there's an impartation in the Word of God. There, the, the Word of God has power on us of its own. That's why the Bible talks about the parable of the sower being the parable of parables. Right? That's what Jesus said. He said, if you can get this parable, you can get everything. Because what he was saying was, with the, the seed is the word. And if your heart can receive it, the word will do, the seed will do its work. Amen? 
you don't have to make the seed do anything. It will do what it's meant to do if you can just receive it. That's how, if you'll receive it and let it grow in you, it'll produce whatever the seed is. And so you can receive today grace and peace. There's an impartation. Literally, there's an impartation of grace and peace available to people who read this. You can, you can welcome that into your life if you need grace and if you need peace, it's available to you today and every day. Amen? That's exciting to me, man, because I need a lot of grace. Y'all going to need some grace for me before this is over with because I may just start really messing with you in a little bit. In fact, I've already decided I was going to, but, you know, the Lord may tell me not to because Becky's not here to protect you, okay? You have no protection from Becky, you know, she's the first line of defense, and then the Holy Spirit's your second line. So you may need to get on your knees right now and say, Lord, please. Becky's with my daughter, our daughter, hanging out with her because her, Becky's brother, uh, Becky's husband, Michael, and his friends went to Grace's husband. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm talking about, do I? I might want to sit down now. He went to watch UNC football play Notre Dame yesterday. And, you know, they got beat because Notre Dame, I think, is number 11 in the country. I'm just saying this just to kind of get y'all relaxed so I can take you all, take you out. But I told Michael, I said, Michael, y'all playing that game back when preseason when everybody thought the Tar Heels were going to be a really good football team this year. Well, they're not. Okay? They turn out pretty bad. Their expectations were too high. They have, it's the classic, this is what I always tell people. You got to under-promise and over-deliver. Don't over-promise and under-deliver, right? So they did, but so that's why great Becky's theirs because they're just, you know, having the, the girl time and the grandkid time. Yay, right? Okay, verse 12. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. I'm skipping over a lot this morning. You can read those verses in between. I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. There's a voice that's speaking. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man. That's the, so, the things about the Lord Jesus. Clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about with the chest and with a golden band. And then it goes on and describes Jesus in more detail. The revelation of Jesus. Isn't that powerful? But then in verse 20 it says, he explains, this is important, he explains what, because this whole book is full of symbolic language, and metaphorical language, because John was trying to describe something that he was seeing, and lots of times when you see something you've never seen before, and you don't have, a, you have to find a reference to, to describe it, and that's what he was saying here. He said, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. A lot of, there's not a real understanding uh, about what those angels actually are, if they're literal angels or if they're apostles or, you know, a lot of different uh, people have different views of what, who those, but they're messengers. They're people or, or beings or something that have been given a, an assignment to deliver a message to the churches, and they have the authority to deliver that message, and they have the backing of the Lord to deliver that message. It says they're in his hand. That means, to me, that says that God's message, that he's going to get, he's going to get his message to the church one way or the other. No matter what 
the world says, no matter what the condition of the church, God has in his hand the message that he wants us to get. And he, in the last days, will make sure that we hear what he wants us to hear. And that, uh, that, to me, that is so comforting to know that, the, that we don't have to live in, in fear. We don't have to live in question. Uh, what are we supposed to do? Where, how are we supposed to proceed? What are we supposed to look like? God has answers for that. And, he, and this is an assurance for the churches and for the people of God that he is going to re- speak to us and reveal these things to us that we need to hear. Isn't that just, that's, that's what this book is about. It's, it's about God sharing his heart with humanity, particularly his people and anybody else who wants to become one of his people and that can eavesdrop in and listen. That's why Revelation is a beautiful book because it, it truly is a, a revelation of the Lord Jesus and his heart and intentions for mankind, how he is going to invade the earth. He's going to invade the earth. And I'll tell you, we can sit around and be afraid about tomorrow and afraid about what the deep state is and you know, all, all this stuff. But I'll tell you something, we have the answer. We got the ace in the hole, so to speak. We don't have, he is going to pull that card out one day and play that card and nothing is going to stop him. Nothing can stop the Lord. Nothing. When he decides to move, he's going to move. I'm on his side. I don't know about you. I hope you're on his side. I'm, I know you are. Amen. Anyways, so the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands, which you saw, are the seven churches. And that's really amazing. So, so here's the picture. You know, um, these churches, if you looked at them geographically, I'm spending a lot of time saying this. I got to get with the program, y'all. Help me. These seven churches, if you looked at them on a map, in your Bible, there's maps in the back, of course, Heather's got her Bible today, so she's let me know that she actually has a real Bible in her hand, like not one of them virtual Bibles, you know, that actually you can hear it when you turn the page, yeah. Back in the day, everybody had to turn the page, you know, y'all, some of y'all remember that. You know, Tommy McCraw has one, but that is no shock that Tommy has one. I, I could tell you re- why later, but anyways... If you looked at the picture, sorry, if you looked at the uh, picture of where those churches were geographically located, they were almost in a, roughly in a circle, roughly. Uh, There's Ephesus at the bottom, and then it kind of goes up. There's three of them on this side, and then there's sort of a gap at the top, and then there's three of them on that side. That's the, so this, it's like there's this circle, and that's such an important thought because what he saw here, John first, if you, he saw, the first thing he saw when he turned around, that's what it says here, is he turned around, he heard this voice, and he turned and he looked, and the first thing he saw, he, it was not Jesus. He, the first thing he saw was the churches, okay? And as he looked at the churches, the churches were shining a light. The churches had fire, they had this burning on them, and they were shining on someone that was in the center, and it was Jesus, of course, that Jesus is in the center. And so to me, that's such a prophetic picture of what God has really called the church to be and do. The church's main, number one calling and number one purpose in this world is that very thing. God has given us his light. God has given us a measure of his glory. He really has given the churches a me- You can see it on a believer have you ever noticed a believer that somebody who's, who's born again, somebody who's following, 
that drift away from the Lord? Have you ever noticed like there's a darkness that you notice on them? I don't know if you've ever noticed it, but I've seen it over and over in my Christian life. People that they would go from light and you would see this darkness on them. There is a spiritual darkness that comes on people when they're not with the Lord because the Lord is the light. The Lord is the glory and he has shared that. But our job with the, with the glory of the Lord, our, our job with the fire of God is for Christ to be glorified. For, Christ, for us to shine the light on, on the Lord himself. That really is. And when Jesus is at the center of the church, when Jesus is at the center of our, our personal lives and at the life of, a, of any congregation, in all congregations, then, then life is right. Things are the way God wants it to be. And are you, am I talking to anybody in this room? See, this is a primary, a primary word that John is trying to get across to us in these visions and, and the symbolism of all this is to tell us this is what's important. This is important for the church, that Christ must be the center and the light of God must re- shine on him. You know, and, and, the, and I believe this, okay, I'm going to tell you this. I believe the greatest way, the most practical way you and I shine the light on the Lord Jesus is worship. I believe that's our highest calling on this earth. I absolutely believe it's the highest calling we have. And I believe it'll be the highest calling in heaven. It's not preaching. It's not gifts of the Spirit. It's not any of those things. It's not missions. It's not evangelism. Our highest calling is human beings. The calling that we will do for eternity is worship. And so the question is, is are we worshipers? Because what worship does... Um, it orients us. It orients when we worship. It orients our whole being. It takes our takes our thoughts off of our hopes, our dreams, our feelings, what we want, and it orients them towards this person. Are y'all following me? See, when you begin to worship the Lord, you shift from self to Him. That's one of the things why worship is so important from for us. Because worship is first for him, but for us, it impacts us. It does something for us. It can bring us into deliverance. It can bring us into healing. In fact, I believe the healing anointing, the great anointing, is, is, is a part of, of worship. It's an outcome of worship. It's when we enter into true worship, where this you with the Lord or, you know, the church corporately worshiping. This is important. Worship's important right now. I'm telling you that right now. It is on God's heart to speak to us to become worshipers. And there's people in this room that are, you're not a worshiper. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're not a worshiper. And if you're not a worshiper, you need to kind of, does that sound rough? But I just want to tell you, God's trying to awaken us to something. Let me say this. You are a worshiper. You're just not worshiping. You know, it, like, like I'm, I am not a failure, but I do fail. Are you here? There's a little bit of difference in that. So let's make that real clear. God has called all of us to be worshipers. And he's calling his worshipers up. He really is. It's a time for the worshipers to wake up. It's time for us to stir us. And I felt that was significant when Seth was saying that this morning about feelings. Because some of you come into church, and I'm one of those someones at times. It's all about how we feel. We're all tired. We're mad. We're, we want to slap the person next to us or... You know, we had a fight on the way to church with our spouse or our kids were out of control. And, you know, we're not engaged. Why? We're, wasting, we're wasting a moment. 
we're wasting a moment. Let's engage with the Lord. And I'm not saying everybody needs to worship the same, and you know, but I am saying there's something, and Becky a couple weeks ago shared on corporate worship, that there's something about corporate worship that's needful and special. And because in heaven, it's all going to be, it's going to be corporate worship. And so we need to really dial into worship, I believe. And I'll keep talking about that. Because worship makes the Lord central, y'all. Listen, worship makes the Lord central. That's what God wants. And when he's central, things begin to go, go well for us, go better for us. And, and on a personal level and a church level. If a church has Christ at the center, that church is going to be a fruitful place. It's going to be a place where there's healing, the deliverance, and people are cared, cared for. Ooh, Lord help, right? Yes, sir. And after John saw the revelation of Jesus, guess what John saw? He saw, after Jesus, John saw the revelation, he saw the church that Jesus was building in the earth. Y'all hear that? So, a revel- come on, a revelation of Jesus will lead to a revelation of the church. Okay, a revelation of Jesus, lead- and you can go back in, in Matthew 15, or no, Matthew 16, when Jesus asked the questions, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, what did Peter say? You're, you're the Lord, you're the Christ. And he said, you know, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven revealed that to you. And on this revelation, I'm going to do what? Listen, I'm going to build my church. On this revelation of who he is, I'm going to build something. And then what did he say? He said, and you are going to be, you're going to be Peter. You're Peter. You're going to become something. So this revelation of Christ not only is for the church, it's for us individually. That's how we come into who we are and what God has called us to be. Am I got anybody talking to? Am I? And then there's one more thing. And he said, I'm going to give you something based on this revelation, based on you having a revelation of the church, based on a revelation of your identity, your purpose. I'm going to give you these keys which stand for authority that you can open doors and shut doors, keys of the kingdom of God. Now, this is important, y'all. This is, all this is really important. All this is real spiritual, but it's all real. And it really is what God is calling the last day church to step into. Does this sound like a rough message or, you know, do I sound mean when I pray? I don't want to sound mean. I'm kind of a mean person, though, I'll be honest with you. I really grew up mean. You know, but Becky has, you know, helped temper that meanness. You know, she says the wickers are mean people. You know, and if you, you know, it's true. My f- sisters and stuff, man, whoo, you did not mess with them. My sisters would fight, literally. I mean, I, I used to get in fist fights with my sisters. And I'm going to tell you, the reason I got in fist fights with them is because they were vicious. They would claw you. They would kick you in certain parts of your body that you want to be kicked in. I mean, they were like animals, you know. So you had to fight them with a fist. I mean, I know you're not supposed to hit girls. So, you know, when I was nine, I didn't know about that. I just knew I had to protect my life because my sister was going to kill me. You know, I mean, I can literally go, go into school with claw marks on my face where my sister went, you know. Well, I deserved it. That's what they said. Yes. So, anyways, 
The most important, important issue when Jesus was on the church, was on the church, was on the earth, was who he was. Is he the son of God? Is he the Messiah? That was the most important thing. When he walked this earth, he wanted people to know who he was. The early church, the most important thing there was for the early church was that we're doing what we're doing because Jesus is the Son of God. And the last days, the most important thing there is going to be in the church, in the world, is Jesus really who he says he is. Because if he's not, he does not deserve our worship. He does not deserve our sacrifice. He does not deserve us obeying him and doing anything. And so it's going to become the greatest issue of the world, the greatest issue in the world, who is Jesus Christ? Who is he? Listen to this verse. I didn't put it up there, but I just think it's a, a very profound verse. Pharaoh said this when Moses came to him and said, let, let my people go. This is in Exodus 5, verse 2. It says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? That's what he said. Who is he? I don't know the, I don't know the Lord nor will I let Israel go. That was the worst mistake he ever made. It destroyed the nation of Egypt. It just, that one thing, because he did not know the Lord, and he refused to obey the Lord. And so that's the question that's going to come up over and over in the times. Who is the Lord? Why should we sacrifice? Why should we give up for him? Am I talking to anybody this morning? This is in, and so today, here we are. Today, here we are looking, like I shared a few weeks ago, if we're not in those, if we're not entering into the book of Revelation, at least the shadow of these things has fallen upon us. The, you know, remember what I said? Most, most uh, theologians who study all this say, say future things foreshadow. The shadow hits us before they actually come. And I do believe we have been at least foreshadowed by end-time type events that have been not only prophesied in the book of Revelation, but also what Jesus prophesied in Matthew 24 and 25, the days of Noah. Am I talking to anybody? Y'all looking at me like y'all hate me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, all the time, right? Dang, I hate you. <laughs> So there will be a greater revelation of Jesus in these days that we're in. There really will. God is going to reveal himself more and more to us. There's an invitation from the Lord, I believe, right now, today, for us to know him in ways we've never known him. And it's a must. It is an absolute must because we can't just know him the way we knew him yesterday because the world is not the same as it was yesterday, nor will it be the same again. And so we must know the Lord today. The Bible says today if you hear his voice. It doesn't say what you heard. Faith comes by what? Hearing, not heard. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes from the word of God. And so we have to hear what the Lord's saying. I'm sorry, y'all. Let me read this. Yeah, I'm going to skip over. to. I'm not going to talk about those seven churches in chapter 2 and 3. I'm going to jump over to something else. Revelations 4. One through two. This is amazing, y'all. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me. He goes back and hears a trumpet again like he did when he first heard the Lord speaking. You know, there's this trumpet 
this. And remember what I said in the Bible, and when there's a when there was a trumpet in the Old Testament, it was a call. It was a call to people. It was a call to people to wake up. It was a call to people to come to attention. It was a call to people to assemble because God has something that he wanted them to hear. And sometimes it was good news. Sometimes it was blessings. But sometimes it was a call to war. Sometimes it was a call to, you know, this is the situation. And it's time for you to gather. And it's time for you to wake up and get and engage. I kind of feel that now. That there's a trumpet from the Lord. But I think some of us are misinterpreting that trumpet. Or not even hearing it all. And God wants to awaken us to, to hear him. And he heard, and this trumpet was speaking to him, saying, "Come up here, wow, come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this." Immediately, I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. So here, here's think about this now. Put this in context. Here's John. He's on this island, and he just has one of the most powerful revelations in history of Jesus. So powerful that it knocked him down to the ground, and he, he, he may have even died there. Jesus may have had to resurrect, because he says, I was like a dead man. I mean, it slammed him, because he was so overcome by the glory of Jesus. So, his, I mean, y'all, if we had a revelation of Jesus like that, we would, we would think we were in heaven. We would think we had hit the pinnacle of Christianity. We would think there's nothing more for God to do. We've seen, we've seen it all. We've seen the best there is. We've seen the king in all his glory. That's what we'd have thought. But here it is in the scripture. God was still not through revealing things to this person. And so what I'm going to suggest to you, this revelation of this person will lead us into other revelations. It will lead us into this revelation of being able to peer in to the plans and purposes of God in the future. Would you like to know what's going to happen tomorrow today? I mean, seriously, would you like to know some things that are coming? Because you hear all this stuff, do this, do that. Where's that coming from? Is it coming from the voice of the Lord? Or is it coming from human fear or anxiety or calculations or, you know what I'm, what I'm saying? I mean, personally speaking, I need to be Lord about the future. And I believe in, many of us in this room have had glimpses of the future before, right? Prophetic things. We've seen things happen before they happened. I mean, serious things. Some things we didn't understand because it was very symbolic looking. But when it happened, we we're like, oh my gosh, that was what he was talking about. And see, God, that shouldn't just be, that's not going to just be something that happens, you know, here and there or special gifted people. It can happen for all of us. But it's all based on this revelation of this person. And so if we, here's why I think worship's important. Worship puts Christ in the center. If Christ is in the center, we're going to be able to see the open doors that God has for us. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? As we center him, as he becomes central, suddenly we become aware, oh, there's a door that God has opened and he wants to show me something about tomorrow. He wants to show me something about the school my grandkids go to, that something's going to happen. 
Wouldn't you like to know if some idiot came into a school that your, your loved ones were in that you knew about ahead of time and you could warn the people and you could go get your babies and keep them home with you that day? Well, we're going to live in a world like that one day. There are people living in a world like that right now that need to know. They need to hear from God before they even go out and buy groceries if there's groceries there to buy. And, that's, and this is what God wants to do for us, y'all. He wants us to, be, to engage. So I think that's why today, if, if we can engage in worship, you know, if we can begin to become those worshipers that we all are and not be so focused on ourselves and what we feel and what we don't feel, y'all need, y'all being me and us, we need to get over feelings. We, we need to live above our feelings, and live by the word of God. That's, that's how we're supposed to live. Feelings follow. Right? They'll follow the word. Your emotions will follow what's true. If you will let what's true rule you versus letting how you feel rule you. Do you feel like getting up on Monday morning and going to work? Nobody feels like getting up. Like, oh, got to go to work today. Oh, I can't stand working. You know, but you get up and go because you know if you don't, you won't eat. Right? So we don't let our feelings keep us in bed. Most of us don't. The ones who do are having a hard time. We get up and get moving and do what we're supposed to do. And when we do that, God blesses the works of our hands. Well, I love all this. Come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. And so remember what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in in, uh, John 16 verse 20. He will show you things to come. See, we have gotten good, I think, and getting better on the prophetic about just encouragement, but there's a foretelling of the prophetic. There, there literally is a foretelling of the prophetic that God wants to release into the church where we begin to see events and situations and we'll know what to do and we'll be able to respond appropriately to those events. And I believe they're going to happen to people, to the worshiping people, to the people who really have the Lord everything in their life, who he hit, he's the center. And that's why I think worship is an important thing. Amen? And then let me read on here, okay? One of the things that John saw uh, was a glorious church. That's one of the things that John saw in his fit. He saw a lot of things, but let me just jump over to 19. Revelation 19, he said, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife, listen this, has made herself ready. Listen, what did the wife do? Made herself ready. It didn't say God made her ready. God did his part. See, this is another thing. This is a bad thing that goes on with us. It's what I was trying to say this morning about that bolt cutter thing. Bolt cutter is just a picture. It's just a metaphor of God freeing us something that's hanging on to us and holding us back because we all know what a bolt cutter is so we can visualize that and see that. But see, God doesn't do stuff apart from your participation, generally speaking. You go through the Bible, God's looking for people who will respond to him, believe him, and act on what he said. That's important for us. We, We expect God to do all this for us you know, we want him to do all this. We ask him to do it, but are we doing what we're supposed to do? This is not works. This is the way it works. 
This is the grace of God, God for us to do, to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. And so there's going to be a, a group of people on the earth that's going to make themselves ready. They're going to do whatever the Lord, they're going to obey the Lord. They're going to follow the voice of the Lord. They're going to, they're going to allow the, the Holy Spirit to have his perfect way in their lives. And that's how we're going to make ourselves ready. They're going to be worshipers. They're going to be intentional about the spirituality. And it says she was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is what? The righteous acts of the saints. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty big. So, you know, the Lord's going to come back, you know, in a context of a bride, okay, who's prepared herself, a bride who's ready to marry him. That's how he's going to come back. So in some ways, we may actually have some authority and say so about the return of the Lord. We really could have some say-so in this matter that Jesus is not going to return because the Word of God says He's going to come back in this context, a prepared bride. And if the bride refuses to prepare herself, then He's not going to come back because He's going to come back to a prepared one. Now, I don't really know that. Obviously, nobody does. But I'm just saying we have a part in this thing to play in the end times. We really do. And I believe God right now is trying to prepare people individually. And I believe he's trying to prepare the church corporately. It is not either or. It's both and. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Now, I think the church has been somewhat dismissed. You know, there's a chorus of voices voices that have spoken against the church. I think we are all part of that chorus at one time, right? We all see something wrong. We all see it, Right? But we need to begin to shift something. We begin to need to shift what we're saying. You know, for years we've heard this, uh, like, you know, don't be talking bad about Becky to me, right? You ain't want nobody talking bad about your spouse. You know, I might get mad at somebody if they started talking, unless I agreed with them. (laughs) Then I tell them, you better go talk to her about that now. But we wouldn't go around talking ugly about a person's wife. Or their wife to be. Like, Jesus, don't marry that, that girl. She's bad. Now, that's really what we've said. We need to start speaking some things over the church, over the body of Christ. Speaking life over the church. Speaking beauty over the church. And so, you know, a couple of things I wrote down that I thought the Holy Spirit gave me. You will be ill-prepared for what is coming on the face of the earth apart from being a people-prepared Y'all hear that? You're going to be ill-prepared if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life today to prepare you. Success is when opportunity meets preparedness. Everybody knows that, right? Success is when opportunity meets preparedness. But many times, God's people miss the opportunities that God is providing. Jesus wept over Jerusalem, right? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you just know your day of visitation, if you've just known the opportunity that you have, but you missed it. And now he even went on to say about your children are going to suffer for it. Now that, and so we see, if you really look at a lot of the words of Jesus, a lot of it was like trying to get people to pay attention about their lives and about what was going on in their lives and how they were engaging him. That's a lot of what he was talking about, to prepare them. He's preparing us for something better. Are y'all really good? Oh, here's another thing I wrote down. What fills you controls you. 
Oh, Lord, isn't that? That's why the Bible talks about be filled with the Holy Spirit, right? What are you being filled with today? Ask yourself, what fills you? Whatever it is, it's controlling you. It could be a good thing. It could be a wonderful thing, but it's controlling you. It could be information. It's controlling you. If it's filling you, it's controlling you. And we really need to let the Holy Spirit be the one that fills us. If He's filling us, we can be controlled by Him. That's, that's the truth, y'all. It is really the truth. I told you I was going to mess with you this morning. Y'all ain't liking it neither. But that's okay. All right, so now I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about the prophetic, okay? Several years ago, there was this, this prophetic word that came out, and I don't know where it came from, but I know I heard it through Morningstar, Okay, and this is what the word was. There is going to be a shift in the prophetic. The prophetic up until now has been symbolized by an eagle. God is going to shift that, and the new symbol is going to be a barn owl. A barn owl? Seriously? When the guy told me, are you kidding me? That can't be the Lord. A barn owl? God, you're going to be one of the greatest ministries there is, and an owl, barn owl is going to be the thing that represents it? I mean, I like the eagle myself. You know, eagles see, they soar, they're awesome, they're, they can see forever. That's prophetic. They're up there in the heavenly realm. That's pro- a dogged barn owl lives in a barn. But I looked up the a barn owl, and guess what? There is about, I don't know if you've ever seen a barn owl before, but you know what the defining characteristics of a barn owl is this? It's the shape of their face. It's a heart. That's what a barn owl, they have a heart-shaped face. And so what this prophetic word was doing, now this is, y'all, this is really the Lord, I believe, because since then I'm, I'm convinced of this. It's, I feel like for the last 25 years, God has been trying to work that word into the church, even before heaven, because it's love. I feel like, you know, there was a a prophetic move in the 80s that was really powerful. That was that eagle that got launched. But the eagle didn't necessarily have a lot of that love going. You know what I mean? And so what happened in the 90s is this, this is Byron Wicker's thought, is there was this thing called the Toronto Blessing that came and a lot of people rejected it and hated it and despised it and it was heresy and it was kundalini spirits or something just all kinds of terrible stuff but the main thing about that whole move was the father's heart of love that's what God was trying to do through all that and for 20 something years I feel like that's what God's been I would say that's the main thing that I feel like God has been trying to do in the church it's really what Bob Jones prophesied in the 70s when he died and went to heaven and God basically told him you can't come now because you haven't learned to love yet you need to go back and learn to love that was one of the greatest prophets of our, our lifetime was Bob Jones and his whole thing was you had to learn to love and so I just see that there's this thing where God, it's like a marriage between the love of God and the prophetic that God is raising up in the earth now. Where there's going to be people who are going to be able to speak prophetically, but it's going to be coming out of a heart of love, not just a prophetic word. 
And I believe that is really what's important. So me and, me and Mr. Brian Stepanek have been going through this book on the prophetic, which I, in, my, in my really narrow view, uh, it's one of the better books out there on the prophetic right now. It's, it's called Translating God uh, by Sean Boltz. Um, because it, the whole book basically is that. It's talking about the prophetic from a perspective of love. Are y'all with me on this? This is important, y'all. Listen to this. This is some quotes from that book that I wrote down recently. John always knew he was the best friend of Jesus, but suddenly he was seeing the very desire or the heart of the Father for his son, the very thing that fueled Jesus' desire to go to the cross, the bride of Christ. Isn't that powerful? The bride of Christ. John saw the bride in all her glory, fully ready, fully prepared to marry Jesus. John lived, listen to this, John lived in a time where the truth was being compromised. He was dealing with the political and socioeconomic forces of his day. He didn't see a glorious church with his natural eyes. He saw the lack, the failure. What, what Sean was trying to do is get us to see that John was living in a world like we live in. There's pressure, there's the government, there's the socialism, there's the, the mandates, there's the lies, there's the cover-ups, there's the, you know, our country being destroyed, countries being destroyed, all of that, dealing with bad governments, yet he saw something. And the church was in disarray, at, by, just by, before he even died, the church was in disarray, buying into heresy. This is a guy who walked with Jesus, and before he even dies, the church is already going down the tubes. And so that was the world he was living in, yet he saw something. He saw something. But after this revelation, you can be sure, God, John did not see the church as though it might be glorious one day, but it already was. See, that's speaking something, calling something that's not as it is, what the Bible tells us to do. This is my message for the church, y'all. This is my pitch for the church. Because I feel like the church is going to, there's going to be a church that's going to rise up. And it's going to be a glorious church. And we begin to, begin to believe that and begin to see that and begin to declare that and believe something different about ourselves. Being double-minded won't get us anywhere. We've got to begin to line up with what God sees. Whew. Here's something that, uh, here's a couple of quotes he put in the book from other people. Y'all remember Phil Elston? Who remembers Phil Elston? He came to this church, I don't remember, and preached. He was a prophet from Texas. I don't remember what he preached, but I'll tell you one thing he didn't like was our music. He liked real traditional music. It's just too loud and all that, but... This is what he's, he's pretty, he's still alive. He's a pretty amazing guy. He says, it takes no anointing to see what is wrong in people's lives. Tell them something they don't know. See the gold and tell them that. Isn't that way the prophetic really should be now? And isn't that, and he was speaking, uh, Sean was saying that in terms of the church. That's powerful. Here's uh, Kim Clement. This is, this is amazing. I see you in the future and you look much better than you do right now. Isn't that beautiful? I see you in the future, and you look much better. His whole point was we, be, we need to begin to see something different than what we're seeing. We need, to, we need to rise above the trouble of our times. 
We need to begin to look at the church the way that God looks at the church, that God looks at us as his bride-to-be, being prepared, being anointed. Yeah, we're going to have to deal with our issues, right? We're not saying we don't have problems, but we're saying we're seeing something better, and we're calling forth the gold in the church, and we're going to call forth the gold in people, you know? Call it forth. We don't have to reject people over some minor differences, like they believe something different politically, and they're, they're going to be demonized for it. We need to stop that mess. We need to see the gold in that person. I've told this to people over and over. You can be right in your heart and wrong in your head. In other words, you can have the wrong opinions and beliefs about stuff going on, but your heart can be 100% right. And what does Jesus look at? He doesn't look at your foolish opinions and my foolish opinions. He looks into a person's heart and says, I like them. I don't, I'm not mad at them. I don't feel bad about them just because they voted for Joe Biden. I love that person because that person is born again and loves me. He might say, but they shouldn't have voted for Joe, but that would be what I would say. Bless old Joe, Lord, help him. Yeah, man. Let me read this one more scripture. This is really important, Revelations 20. Are y'all getting anything out of this? I hope you are. I hope there's an impartation. Ooh, Lord help, right? And this, this is Revelations 22, verse 17. Spirit and the bride say what? Come. Notice what it said. The spirit and who? The bride. It's two. It's not one. It wasn't just the Holy Spirit saying come. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? The spirit and the bride. There is a unity. There is one voice. That's what God wants us to bring us to, where we're in union with the Spirit, where we are hearing what the Spirit's saying, speaking what the Spirit's with the Holy Spirit. It's important. That's what we have to do. That's what we give ourselves to, is hearing His voice, being vitally connected to Him and, and walking with Him with what He's saying, regardless of what everybody else says, regardless of what popular culture says, regardless of what your friends say. It's so easy to get caught up in stuff, isn't it? You know, when you're around people, to get all caught up with what they're doing and you're thinking, I don't really feel good about this. Have you ever been in a situation like that? And you're kind of, and everybody's swaying one way and you're thinking, I don't really feel good about this. Something inside of me. But I remember one time, this is one of my life learnings. Can I tell you this? This is when I was a young Christian. We were involved in this church and everything was awesome. But there was this person that came into the into the church setting. And he apparently was this person who was considered to be very apostolic and powerful. And everybody was like, yeah, 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 wow, 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 woo, woo, woo. And I was thinking, I don't really feel good about that person. But here's what I was saying. But who am I? I don't know anything. I'm the worst person in the room. I don't feel good about them. I can't hardly even stand myself, you know. I'm just too messed up. So I just kept pushing down, pushing down, pushing down what I felt. But it turns out what I felt was the Lord. It was the Holy Spirit. It was, I was discerning something, you know. And I figured it out right then. You know what? I'm going to go on that little thing inside of me that gets restless, you know. And I don't care if people don't love me over you know, you can get rejected and you can, people can label you and people can, you know, all of a sudden you're not with the in crowd no more, right? Whatever that is, whatever your in crowd is, I mean, 
You can, you can be messed up with people. But I'll tell you, the Lord himself is worth it. And if the Lord does that in somebody, what he's trying to do is help you. He's not trying to get you to condemn the people or judge the people or be critical of them. He's just trying to help you. Because sometimes the Lord might say, you know what, Byron, this is great for them, but it ain't great for you. And that's why I don't, that's why you have that unrest deep down in your thing and this question that keeps rising up in you about it. We need to be, become more discerning people so we can be one voice with the Lord. Um, it says, the Spirit and the bride say, Come and let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take a, the water of life freely. So I believe the Lord is going to raise up an army of people. We were singing about it. Out of the dry bones, out of all the loss and all the things that we've experienced, he's going to raise up people. He's going to raise up an army. He's going to raise up a bride. He's going to raise up a church in the earth. And it will be a very glorious thing in the church and the world. We have something. And we have a choice to make. We have a decision to make because we have to participate in it. And we can decide if we want to be a part of this or we can decide if we don't want to be a part of it. And it's going to you to be a part of it. There's a cost connected with all of this, a huge cost. But I'll tell you this, comparison to the glory and the power and the presence of God that you're going to experience, the cost is nothing. It's nothing because God is worth it all. He is it's like, who is the Lord that I should serve? He is everything. He's worth all our devotion. He's worth all our obedience. He is worth it. And we, Lord, give us a revelation of Jesus that would crush us. Give us a revelation of Jesus that would make us throw off some of these things that have us so distracted and pulled down. And begin to see Him for what He's worth. And begin to know Him as He really is, not what we perceive Him to be, but what He really is. Because the Lord is worse, worthy of all our worship. He is worthy of you to walk into a meeting, a church meeting or any kind of meeting, and say, you know what, I don't feel like worshiping. I don't like what they're doing, but I'm going to worship anyway because it's for the Lord Jesus. And see, God will begin to move in a situation like that. He'll begin to flow. He's just looking for people to agree and say yes to Him and bow down. That's all He's asking out of all of us. He's just asking for a yes in our heart and for us to take a step towards Him. He really is. Do I have anybody that believes this? <laughs> I believe with all my heart. You know what? I'm trying to make adjustments in my life right now towards what I'm talking to you about. I'm looking at my life and looking at things in my life, situations, circumstances, thinkings, perspectives I have and saying, is, does, this, does, this, does this honor the Lord? Does this glorify Jesus? You know, I can't, I can't win political arguments. I can't win arguments about vaccines. Okay. I can't win arguments about racism. I can't. You can't. I can't. But I tell you one argument I can do, I can win, is this. Whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. I can win that argument. And that's the argument I want to be in, is bringing glory to the Lord on this earth, however that looks in a practical, natural way. So, you know. All right. Why don't you all stand up? 
So I'm hoping somebody in here, somebody, please. Lord, help us. Help me. Help the people, Lord. Yeah. Jesus is Lord. Say that. Say, Jesus is Lord. Christ is my King. I receive you, Lord. Lord, I want to go on. I'm not going to be nominal. I repent today for not being a worshiper. I'm supposed to be worshiping. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. And so, Lord, I'm making a decision today that my worship is not based on how I feel. It's not based on my circumstances. But it's based on Jesus Christ is worthy. And I declare today Jesus Christ is worthy of our obedience, my obedience, my worship, and any sacrifices that he might ask me to make. He's worth it. You say he's worth it to you. And you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and have his way in your life. And God will bring breakthrough in your life. God will do things for you because he is a God who rewards people. I don't care what anybody says. It's not earning it. He just has all these rewards stored up in heaven. King David said this. Surely, I'll I'll tell you, y'all, he said this. You can talk it back to the Lord. Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me. You can tell the Lord that scripture. And you know what God does? A big smile erupts on his face. And he says, finally, I found somebody who believes that I want to bless them. And I'm going to reward them because they believed it. And it's given me an opportunity to bless them. Or you can be a skeptic. You can be a skeptic and not believe and not declare the word of the Lord. But you won't receive a lot that God has for you. God has more. God has more. John had a mightiest revelation of Jesus ever, and he saw more. He saw the very throne of God. That's more. And there's more and more and more for everybody in this room. I think people need to repent. I think we need to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm changing my mind today. I'm changing my mind about some situations. Double-mindedness won't get you anywhere. You hear what I'm telling you? Some of you are double-minded. You need to quit. You can't live in a duplex. You need to knock that wall down in the middle. And, you know? Amen? All righty. Maya or somebody come out here and do something. Bail me out. I'd like to invite the ministry team forward. Janelle has a word right quick. I heard the Lord say that the healing anointing rests on the sound waves of worship. Whoa. Let me repeat that. The healing anointing rests on the sound waves of worship. So if the ministry team could come forward, I just invite you to respond to the Lord today. If you are far from the Lord, he's not your savior. He's not your father. There's an invitation for salvation. There's an invitation for healing. There's an invitation for deliverance. These people will pray with you. They will speak a word of encouragement over you. And more than just responding to come forward, we ask you to respond in your heart. Agree with whatever the Holy Spirit is saying. So 
Be blessed. We love you. Shine bright. The light overcomes the darkness. We are the light. Bless you.